everybody to the essential films podcast a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies that are made or the essential films uh i'm adolfo acosta and i'm joined by my co-host mr mark espinoza and uh how you doing today mark uh doing not too bad myself how about you my friend doing okay doing okay um so i did post this on our facebook and twitter page that the mint Midnight Cowboy episode was getting pushed back because instead uh, we're going to do a special kind of tribute episode uh, for uh, the late Richard Donner who just died um, July 5th, right after uh, Independence Day uh, to 91 years old so uh, we he's done he's been a part of like both our childhoods and you know maybe some of our adulthoods and we made a lot of movies that we love, one that we've discussed on this podcast itself kind of want to just go into that kind of de- uh, dedicated an episode to him and um and yeah yeah um richard donner's passing actually that was uh when i first heard about it that really kind of hit me hard because i'm such a fan of this guy he's created so many movies that i just cherish especially like you were talking about just now Adolfo, from my childhood from your childhood a lot of people's childhoods and this is a man who will sorely be missed and he definitely left his mark on the business yeah i mean so many so many good memories uh from the stuff that he's done and it's just i don't know let's just kind of kind of get into it to begin with he was born in um i'm not going to go through a biography we're just going to kind of go through all the different stuff that we know so he's born april 24th 1930 so he just celebrated his 91st birthday before he had died kind of got on the scene with a uh in it kind of a low budget B movie called X15 in 1961 and then you know that's where his career really started but probably the movies that we first all would have seen him is probably the the omen well with that one obviously i didn't really like when i first saw it i was just uh i guess i was i was really young when i first saw it because that's one of my mother's favorite movies the omen and you know it's one of the ones that she always remembers as like being very scary for her. I mean, by today's standards, it's very tame, but like it's something like, you know, like when you watch The Exorcist. Like to me, you know, it's scary, but like when you see the news reports, like with The Exorcist or with something like The Omen, they're like, oh, audiences were terrified and all that. I don't know if that's just all publicity stunts or whatever, but I mean, they seem pretty tame compared to like the gore fests that we get now. But The Omen, I know for the people at the time, it was, it was very scary. That's why my mother has very fond memories of seeing that movie. And I didn't know it was Donner until way later. I just never really paid attention to it. Yeah, and, and it kind of showed that he could that he was a guy that could work in a lot of different genres. Obviously, horror being uh, being the omen, but as we saw throughout his career, he knew how to do you know sci-fi. He knew how to do adventure. He knew how to do buddy cop movies, Christmas movies. You know, so he he, he could do anything. Sorry, if you hear my dog in the background, she's fucking the hell out of me right now <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure if you could hear over my microphone or not um but yeah that that's he, he could work in any genre so when i said earlier that the omen is probably what we first would have seen him in i meant that's the earliest film that we would have been exposed to not necessarily when we watched it in our current uh, chronology because right. probably the first movie that we either one of us would have seen would have been probably superman or the goonies right 
Well, for me, definitely Superman. Remember, I was very late to the Goonies. I never really got the, the hype. And That's right. You only you watch only it. watched it like a few years ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm relatively new to the to the Goonies fandom. But yeah, but so probably you know Superman. So like we definitely talked about Superman. Superman on on we devoted an entire episode to Superman. But just kind of let's kind of rehash it a little bit. What what are some of your favorite memories about Superman? Or when did you first see Superman? <laughs> My dog is getting in the action. Yeah. Let's talk about Donner also, I guess. Well, let's see. So I know, like, Superman, the original Superman, if I remember correctly, then again, I could, I mean, my memory is not what it used to be anymore, but I'm pretty sure that's one of the ones that I watched when I was very young. I think I watched it after Batman. I think Batman was my first exposure to just any sort of comic book or superhero movie um, as a young kid. And then after that, I kind of started getting into Superman. And it might have been when I was, like, five or six years old. Again, I know I keep bringing up my mom, but, like, she's one of the reasons why I got into so many of these classic movies. And I know she was a big fan of Christopher Reeve, Superman. And, you know, I, I have very fond memories of, you know, watching it with, you know, with her, you know, with my uncle. Um, and then finally passing it down, like, to my sister. Like, my sister, you know, became a huge Superman fan, especially when, um, when Smallville came out. Like, she watched the hell out of that show. And then that kind of got her into the classic Superman movies. She has the whole, like, uh, the, um, the original set that came out, I think, in 06 on Blu-ray. She bought that before I did. So... Um, just very fond memories, but it all started again with with Superman 1978 with from our our boy Richard Donner here. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. Um, I think the first time uh, I saw Superman, it would have been I, I'm a little older than you are, so I think I saw it more like two release date. Now, obviously, not in 1978, but if you uh, for a lot of uh, younger people, they may not realize this, but movies back in the day used to get re-released in theaters, so it wouldn't be necessarily odd to see the first Superman in theaters, right. which came out in 1978, like re-released in like 1982 or something, right? Right. Like because some because home video wasn't as big of a market, so they would re-release movies just to get the money. You know, that's how Gone with the Wind like racked up all those points all these years but yeah so i do remember seeing superman in a, in a movie theater i have like images of it i don't like clearly remember it um but I, I feel like i've seen it like when i was little but i think i saw it mostly on like cable tv when i was a kid both in spanish and in english by the way um and you know so the, the and you know obviously i was captivated from that point on but you know that was richard donner like i said earlier he did the omen which was a scary movie and then he does superman right after it which is a big fantasy film and my dog is still freaking out in the background i'm sorry um, That's all right. i can't stop her and i don't really want to stop and re-record so i want to keep yeah <laughs> um the, the so yeah we, he worked in both uh he worked in many genres and you know he went from horror to to fantasy and, and adventure with this one yeah again kind of alluded to it earlier it just very it shows really his versatility as a director going from something like the omen to going to superman and then kind of you know he kind of stayed i mean i guess he found his 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 calling in a way with superman because he kind of really didn't go into like horror anymore after that he kind of just stayed kind of in like not so much the fantasy genre, but kind of like the lighthearted uh, genre. Like, you know, as we're going to talk about later on, we've got The Goonies, we've got Lethal Weapon, you know, Scrooge is another classic, you know, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. But he kind of found his lane in a way with Superman. He kind of just stayed close to it, I think. Yeah, and 
like I said, he turned into like he became one of my favorite directors at you know the age of five without me knowing what a director even was at that point because he started making movies that I liked. You know, like you said, Superman and the Goonies and Scrooge. But um, but yeah, uh, Superman. I, like you can go back and listen to our Superman episode. Anyway, so Superman, big part of our lives. What other movies? You, know, you just mentioned some. What other movies are stuff that you kind of grew up a uh, uh, grew up on of his? Well. I remember, in the, I don't know if I ever told the story on the air before, but one of the first, I want to say my, okay, let me rephrase it. Possibly one of my earliest memories of going to the movies, and I'm sure, like, I was told that my very first movie in theaters was Masters of the Universe, you know, He-Man. So, but I have I have no recollection of that because I was like one year old. I was, I was about to I say, there. there's you, you, you had to have been like a year old or something. Yes, I would have no recollection <laughs> of this. I've just been told that that was my first experience <laughs> at the movie theater. But apparently, no, I, felt, I was asleep through most of it anyway. So well, at least you didn't like cry the whole time. Exactly. No, I'm not. I wasn't one of those. In fact, even my sister and I, we were pretty well behaved as babies. I've been told, like we really didn't cry like other babies do. That's isn't that so annoying sometimes? And no offense to those parents that like have kids, babies like that, but it's like if you know your your kid's gonna like cry like that, just don't bring them to the movies. You know? Yeah, I mean the movies is like uh, I I waited I think until my oldest daughter uh, Shoshana was three and a half, and I thought at that point because that when I basically when I knew that she could like sit and watch a movie like from start to finish at home. And I thought that she would be able to keep her attention in a movie theater. But you did it right, though. But again, I went on a little bit of a tangent there. So my earliest memories at the movies that I can remember is, believe it or not, Lethal Weapon 3. So, and again, oh, wow. that's, uh, Richard Donner. Um, so that was I, that's actually the first Lethal Weapon that I ever saw. Now, I, of course, as like a five-year-old or whatever year old I was at that time, I don't really remember most of it. I remember some of it. But, of course, I went back because my uncle is a huge fan of the Lethal Weapon movies. So when I got a little bit older, he kind of got me into part one, part two. Then I rewatched part three again as like a 10, 11, 12-year-old. And then I think when Lethal Weapon 4 came out, I think it was in 97, um, I went to see it with them at the movies. Like it was my first uh, – I wasn't my first – I obviously wasn't my first experience seeing a Lethal Weapon film in the movies. But it was the one that I could actually like enjoy because I actually followed the franchise up to that point. We went to see part four, and which was also, I think Donna did all four movies, right? He did, and I was going to mention that. It's like, I think it's a rare exception of the first director being on for the entire franchise. I think, I know there were talks about a Lethal Weapon 5. I don't know if that's still happening or, or if that ever got off the ground or not. So if that ever comes out, then like he would miss out on that. But like the first four were all his, so the entire franchise was his, basically. Yeah, so that's one of those things that, like, especially like, when that set came out on Blu-ray, that, that very first Lethal Weapon, like, four movie set, like, about, I think it was, like, 10 years ago at this point, like, I scooped that up because, like, again, the Lethal Weapon franchise is my childhood. I just, like I just said, Lethal Weapon 3 was one of my first ever experiences in the movie that I remember, I think, when I was, like, five years old, and, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that. And, again, that's, uh, that's Richard Donner. It's funny, I have kind of a similar experience in that I didn't watch the first one first. I watched Lethal Weapon 2 first. Um, because for whatever reason, I, and I don't remember if it was like HBO or Cinemax or Showtime, 
but like I know I, my parents had subscribed to all all the cable channels, and it would always play on one of them, like over one summer or something. Lethal Weapon two like played like over one summer, like on that. So I saw it like way more often than Lethal Weapon one. And I watched Lethal Weapon one like years later as like a yeah. teenager, and I think I may have seen. Lethal Weapon 4 before I saw Lethal Weapon 1, because I saw Lethal Weapon 2 so much. <laughs> yeah. Because those movies, I mean, I I love those movies, but, like, you don't really need to see the one before it to, like, watch them, because they're, like, self-contained. They're very isolated, yeah. Yeah, the, like, the only thing that you get is, like, how the friendship started in the first one. But other than that, like, you you can kind of watch them out of order, because <laughs> it's just, they're simple, they're simple okay, buddy yeah. cop movies, you know? But that said, like, um, I did watch the second one way more than the first one. Although the first one's great. The first one's better, but it doesn't have the, um, it just got revoked or whatever the hell it was. <laughs> uh, yeah. Whatever it says, diplomatic immunity. <laughs> that was the second one, right? Yeah, that's the yeah, second that, one. that was part two. Yeah, because the other one is uh, Gary Busey, I think, right? Yeah. No, not Gary Busey. Yeah, Gary Busey was the villain in that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mr. One. Joshua? Yes. Sorry. They, see, I'm getting them all mixed up. But that's okay, because those movies are great. <laughs> um, I uh, I think the fourth one, is, is that that was like the American introduction of Jet Li, that's right? Jet Li, yeah, that was his debut bro, in, in the States. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I thought. I mean, I'm sure people, he'd been like in imports and stuff, but that was like yeah. the first time he was in an American. I wonder what kind of made him think to cast Jet Li. I don't know, man, but that was, that was a good choice. He was a badass in this movie. <laughs> he was, but... And it's been a while since I've seen it, but doesn't he kind of get punked out in the end? I don't remember, actually. It's, like, it's, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember just him being, like, I just being so amazed, like, as a 10-year-old watching this. Like, I just thought Jet Li was so cool in that movie. Yeah, again, so... I haven't watched it in a while, so maybe he hasn't aged well. No, he was totally cool in the movie. I remember loving it, but I, I remember thinking it was kind of like, you know, he was like this imposing figure the whole movie. And then I feel, I feel like the way he's taken out. He just kind of punked out, and I always was like a little kind of like underwhelmed by how it got taken out. Yeah. But maybe I'm remembering it wrong. I don't know. Someone, someone tweet at me and tell me how how it ended because I don't remember. Um, it's been I probably haven't seen it since it came out. But but yeah, he big lethal the lethal weapon franchise, big franchise that he was he was the head of. He that was his baby. The other probably most seen movie I remember seeing was probably Scrooged. I saw that so often when I was a kid, like every Christmas, it would always like play on HBO or whatever. So I, I've, I've probably seen that Christmas movie more than any other Christmas movie. That's another one that me personally, I was late to the party on. I didn't see it till I was like at least in college. Like I never really got into it until like, I think you were one of the ones that kind of hyped it up. I was like, oh, Scrooge is so good. You have to watch it. And then, you know, I watched it. I ended up getting the, uh, the Blu-ray shortly after because I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. That's a great movie. That it's weird because that is like one of the best like Bill Murray performances of the eighties. But what's funny is that if you look at his filmography, like he hadn't done anything since Ghostbusters. Cause I think he like got there, you know, Bill Murray's kind of, you know, a cranky old man, but yeah. like back in the eighties, I feel like he had, I remember reading like Ghostbusters kind of like made him kind of hate everything. And he stopped being in Hollywood. Um, and he didn't come back until 1988 with Scrooge with, for Richard Donner, so he like took a huge break in between. Yeah, which I mean, for somebody of his caliber, is, is not really like common. But I mean, he came back to to a, a great role, a great story, great flick. So 
you know, good on him. Yeah, and it's it's one of my favorites growing up. Like I said, I saw it so often when I was growing up. Uh, Bill, classic Bill Murray performance. And I still, to this day, reference uh, Niagara Falls, Frankie Angel. <laughs> you Niagara do. Niagara Falls. Uh, and then, uh, I don't know, what else? The Goonies I, I watched very, very often as well. And But again, this is like, you had only just seen The Goonies like a year or two ago for the first time, right? Yeah, I saw it. I, for, I forgot where I saw it um, the first time, but the second time was at Alamo. I was like, I had to, I had to watch it there because they were having the Goonies uh, movie party, which had like the little uh, free gimmicks. They had the special menu, the special drinks. So I was like, oh, I got to do this. Remember, I told you like during the pre-show they showed the Cindy Lauper video. Yeah, the full you didn't video, know... both parts. So. You didn't, you didn't know that there was a uh, wrestlers in that wrestlers video. Wrestlers in that. Like I, I got so tripped out when I saw it. Now it's interesting because I always, I've only ever seen it as, for obviously first as a child, and since then as like a nostalgia from my childhood. So. I recognize that it's super cheesy, but it's still like, it's still, it's a good cheesiness for me. Right. And again, that might be nostalgia tinting my rose colored glasses, but as someone who came to it as an adult, what did, what did you think of the movie? I mean, I took it for what it was and I guess kind of could try to lose myself in kind of the whimsy and fantasy of it all. And I had a great time, especially watch this with an audience that has the same sense for nostalgia as you do. And the same appreciation for nostalgia, especially 80s nostalgia, and it's such a fun ride. I um I remember a couple of years back, even before I had seen the Goonies for the first time, when I was still subscribed to Loot Crate, I actually got a Goonies t-shirt that I pretty much never wore. But then when I finally saw it, and I was like, oh, you know what? This is actually a, a pretty good 80s flick. You know, I really enjoyed it. And then when I went to see it at Alamo, of course, I rocked that, that Goonies shirt, and I got like two or three people that like complimented me. I was like, oh, cool, nice shirt, you know? That, that, that was cool. So like I said, like it's one of those like just quintessential 80s movies that you just have to be in the mood or something like that and just enjoy the ride. Uh, is that shirt the one with like the map on it? No, it's the one with like the skull and crossbones and it says Goonies never say die. Oh, no. OK, because I was subscribed to Loot Crate and I got a Goonies shirt and it was like this this one with like a, a like it was like the the map of the treasure, you know, and, and it had like. I think it said like One-Eyed Willie or something on there. And anyway, but uh, oh, that yeah, okay. And I could sw- so you ever notice like at the end um, of the film when they're like all celebrating, and yeah, telling their de- their parents about like what they were doing. You hear someone say something about an octopus. Yeah, what was that? Okay, so they filmed an, a scene of them getting attacked by an octopus right after or right before the fight with the pirates on the boat. You know, yeah. uh, not with the pirates with the with the <laughs> with the criminals, I forget their names. Yeah. Um, on the boat, the, like this big, like fake-looking octopus attacks some of the kids in the pool, and they they get away from it. And the thing is, is that I remember watching that scene as a kid, and then later seeing the movie and not seeing that in there, I'm going, "What the hell did I imagine that?" Oh my god! Like, I, and then I, like in the DVD and like uh, special features era. I saw that they had filmed it, and I wasn't crazy, but it was one of those things that happens whenever they, whenever they air something on TV. They put in scenes back into the movie to make it longer for more commercials to go in. I think we talked about it once on the Halloween episode, but um... you just me, bro. <laughs> wait, why? No, 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 because I had a similar experience, bro, with the freaking uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol, which I watched that movie oh. just to death. And yeah. when love is gone, is when love there. is gone, the but best then, song. 
But then when I watched the Blu-ray, it was gone. I'm like, wait a minute, did I imagine that scene? Like, it's not here. Like, what, what the, what the hell? Yeah, I was annoyed when I saw that. When I got the, like the, the. I thought I was crazy for a minute. Yeah, no, because yeah, my sister had the VHS, and I, I watched the shit out of that thing, even probably even more than my sister. So, and then whenever I got it as an adult on like a DVD or Blu-ray, I don't remember which. I think it was DVD. I was like, wait. Where's where's the fucking song? <laughs> uh, so yeah, they did that to me with 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 uh, the Goonies because it the was Goonies. They, they added stuff for it to fit a two hour time frame so that they could get more commercials in, <laughs> and it was like I, I knew that I had seen it. I knew I'd seen it, so that that's what it had. So I like the DVD kind of made me not think I was going crazy. There's also another one that where in the movie Big has an alternate ending where like Joshua is in class and then a little girl comes in like as a new student and it's the woman he was dating you know in the movie in the movie right uh that Elizabeth Perkins character so like and I I remember seeing that and then later seeing like never seeing it and freaking out because like I didn't (laughs) imagine that I know I saw that yeah and then you know finding out that it, it existed Anyway, <laughs> back to Richard Donner and the, Go- the Goonies, a uh, great kids movie, like uh, just a, a fun little adventure. I think probably my kids are probably old enough to see it, at least my, my oldest anyway. Did, um, did Donner direct the Lopper video also? I could have sworn I read that somewhere. I think he did, and because Steven Spielberg like was in the video too, yeah. right? So I what? think he, I have to I have to look it up. Let me see. Let me look it up because I, I gotta I gotta see this. Yes, he did on IMDb. If you look up the Goonies are good enough, it it has its own entry, and yeah. <laughs> directed by uh, Richard Donner. Yeah. There you go. Starring Stinny Lopper, obviously Captain Lou Albano. Uh, the Goonies, Sean Astin and Josh Rowland and Corey Feldman and everyone else, but are also starring Freddie Blassie, <laughs> uh, the fabulous Mula, Nikolai Volkov, Roddy Roddy Piper, uh, Steven Spielberg, Wendy Richter, and uh, the Iron Sheik. And I think Andre's in there, but maybe he's not listed in this cast for some reason. But Andre, right. I feel like came in at the end, didn't he? Yes, I think he was. He like he helped save the day or whatever. Yeah. So there you go. Goonies. So he did another thing we for my childhood that but again you never saw until you were an adult, but for my childhood, I remember that video very well. Um and yeah, that <laughs> I didn't know that he directed that. That's awesome. Yeah. I know I it was like I know I read that somewhere, but now I just I wasn't sure anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, a lot of our childhood stuff. Uh the other one that I think I watched the most and we can then we can talk about some of the other movies he did you may have done, um the is uh Maverick. Did you ever watch Maverick? Maverick I never watched. I, you know what? It looks like if you see like the trailer or something for it, you look at it and like I don't that doesn't look like something I want to watch. Yeah. But trust me, if you watch it, it's it's a lot of fun. Uh it's, you know, Mel Gibson and uh Jodie Foster and uh James Garner, uh who I believe played the original Maverick on the TV show, but really? um it's just like this, you know, con artist double dealing poker playing people in the old west and stuff it's really fun like i never watch it it's fun 
Oh, definitely. I'll I'll, I'll add it to the watches. If it's streaming anywhere, I I don't have that information. <laughs> no, I, well, I'm about to find out. Um, the other thing I, I wonder if you've ever seen, he apparently directed one of the most famous um, episodes of the Twilight Zone. Do you know which one it is? No. Enlighten me on that. Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. <gasps> Bill Shatner, man. With that's Bill Shatner. That, he sure. directed that. That's, uh, I, I think that's, all. he also directed a bunch of other ones, but I think that is the most notable one. So that's when he got his kind of start in, in, in television, too. So he, he's done a lot, man. Um, so any other movies that, like, maybe you had seen um, that we didn't cover here? Um, as far as Richard Donner goes, for some reason I have very vague memories of Radio Flyer. I know I've watched it as a kid, but I have, like, almost no recollection. I know I've watched it. But that's about it. Like I have remembered, like nothing else about that movie. What? It's a about a wagon, right? Yeah, the wagon. <laughs> um, and isn't uh, Elijah Wood in it? Yes, little okay. Elijah Wood, bro. Like tiny Elijah Wood. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anything about that one. <laughs> um, conspiracy theory. I've never seen that movie. Uh, is it any good? I've always wanted to watch. That's Julia Roberts and Mel Gibson, right? Yeah. I, for some reason, for the longest time, I thought that that was directed by Ron Howard. But I was thinking of Ransom. <laughs> That's the one, bro. I and mean, I was just talking about Ransom, like, with my uncle, like, like, last week. Because I don't think Ransom ever had, like, a legit Blu-ray release, except overseas. I want that movie so bad. I remember I saw it in the theater in, in like, what was it, 97, 96 when it came out? I saw it in the yeah. theater, it, roughly close enough to Conspiracy Theory where I thought they were the same movie. Yeah. We did a double feature day because, I mean, not that anybody should be doing this, but this was back in the day when he and I used to sneak into a second movie after we paid for the first oh, come one. Come on, everyone did that. Come on. <laughs> I know, but I'm just... Every I'm... kid has done that. I mean, you don't think you can do it now, but... The, well, even now you could probably get away with it. Um, no, because not with a sign seating you couldn't do it. Um, but, yeah, it's... Everyone did that. <laughs> so... He re- and he reminded me because, of course, Space Jam just came out, so the second one. So we actually did Space Jam for – we paid for Space Jam, and then we snuck into Ransom afterwards. <laughs> I was like nine or ten years old at the time. <laughs> so that, that was a wacky memory there. Um, when I was growing up, my friends and I went to the uh, – we just went to, like, a movie one day. Like, it was there's no rhyme or reason to it. We weren't, like – trying to see anything specifically it was just like well what do we do today let's go to the movies so when we got there there was like nothing we really wanted to watch so we ended up buying a ticket for um forever young the mel gibson movie oh yeah and then we watched it for um probably 20 minutes and we're super bored by it so we got out and snuck into the movie uh slither you ever see that one yes (laughs) with uh madonna yes wait is that their name for it shiver no, it's no. not Slither. It's um, what is that Madonna movie called? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I think, see, Sh- Shiver is something. I thought you were talking about the Sharon Stone Slither. No, the Slither is something else. Okay. Hold oh, on. you know what? I, I'm totally. I'm, again, I'm mixing movies up. It, it was um, it, <laughs> there's nothing like Slither. It was a uh, body of evidence. 
That's Madonna and Willem Dafoe, bro. Yeah, that's the movie. I, 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 I don't know why I thought it was. Is that a movie that with with somebody though? Which one, Slither? Yeah. It's Sharon Stone. I think I think it's either one of the bald ones. I forget which one. All right, let me look this up. Sharon Stone movies. Look this up. Sliver. Sliver. That's the one we stuck into. Gotcha. Or no, it wasn't Body of Evidence. I know I stuck into both at some point. I don't remember which one we we ditched the Forever Young for. Anyway, back to Richard Donner. We went on a tangent there. Um, But yeah, Conspiracy Theory. Um, Any other movies? I know... um, he did 16 blocks and never caught up with that one. Um, I mean, just from looking from the rest of his tomography, I really haven't seen anything else. Um, just, you know, the class, you know, I've seen Omen, Superman, all the Lethal Weapons, the Goonies. I know I've seen Radio Flare, but I, it's, I'm i going to act as if I've never seen it because I don't remember none of it. Um, and yeah, and then, of course, the uh, the Donner cut of Superman 2, which was a, a huge oh, right. deal in 06. Yeah, so for and I think we talked about it on the Superman podcast we did, but right. for those who don't know the story, basically um, Richard Donner uh, directed Superman one as we talked about, and he also was direct, simultaneously uh, directing Superman two. Um, but the Salkinds, the producers of the Superman movie, they got into some disagreement with with Richard Donner, and then he they fired him and replaced him with Richard Lester, who did like those Beatles movies in the sixties. Um, and which were fine for those Beatles movies, but for a Superman movie, not so much. Um, and, uh, so he, so a lot of Richard Donner had shot a lot of the film. So they basically just shot the extra footage with Richard Lester and they put his name on it. Um, and yeah, it, it's a, it's funny because it's, you see some of the, the, the spark from the first one, but you also see a lot of the cheesiness that Richard Lester would bring like added to it and so in 2006 they finally re- i think in conjunction with superman returns which was back which was in theaters they right. re-released the uh richard donner cut um where they restored all his footage and like you know approximated any other footage that, like they think they had to get like test screenings and stuff in there or test filmings in there and stuff but um but yes yeah, so that is really the more complete work is the superman 2 which is i think a better film yeah, because there's been a lot of debate about that. Because a lot of people actually still like the uh, the original Superman too. I'm kind of in the on the fence. There's things I like about both, so I can't really pick one. But I mean, I've seen good arguments for both. I think the Superman two. I, I I loved Superman two when I was a kid. So, I think the Superman two Donner cut is a better film. Mm-hmm. But the the original Superman two is. Um, it just, it just makes, I just, I'd rather watch that one. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. And, and you can argue too, in a way, I mean, this is just me kind of, I don't know, just spitballing here, but this was kind of a new thing, wasn't it? Where like, you know, you kind of took something like this version of Superman too, which probably never would have seen the light of day and just went ahead and released it. You know, you can almost kind of say this paved the way for things like the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League, you know, maybe without this happening first, like, there's no way that would have happened, like, all those years down the line. Maybe even other stuff that was, that's been restored by directors, you know? Yeah, I mean, when you show there's a market for it, you know, people will buy it, right? And enough people have probably seen the Richard Donner cut by now. Um, like, people coming into it new, then they probably seen the original. Exactly. 
So, I mean, it all started here with this one. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually, let me see, at least on Wikipedia, it's like his, his like last credited thing. He had some uh, producer credits on some other movies like The Lost Boys and Free Willy. Um, and they, even, the Free first Willy X, even the first <laughs> X-Men movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's mostly the ones that we've seen. I know that he had been working up until the end. Uh, Kevin Smith, I think, told a story about how he had ran, ran into him in like a, like a year ago and he was still talking about working on a project. So um, I kind of respect him. that at like 91, man, he was like, nah, that's, I'm still going. Even if, even if he wasn't yielding results, you know, like he's still going. Yeah. And uh, I know as far as TV goes, I'm sure that I'm going to pop a lot of people with this. He did a few episodes of Tales from the Crypt also. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Which which episodes do you know? Uh, it just says here, at least on the Wikipedia, it says three episodes from between 89 and 92. So let's actually look that up. Because I'm actually curious myself. Oh, he did Dig That Cat, bro. Did you ever see Dig That Cat with Robert Wool? Uh, no. And then, and Joey Pants is in this too. Remember? Dig wait, wait, that wait, cat? wait, wait. Hold on. Maybe. What happens in that one? Because now I'm. That's this is a carnival daredevil known as Ulrich the Undying, played by Joey Pantoliano, was buried alive. For yes. Oh my God. Yes, I have seen that one. That one's so funny. Joey Pants, bro. So that was Richard Donner. Okay, that's a good one. That's a really good one. All right, that's a okay. classic, bro. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I think we covered most of his stuff there. Oh, did you ever see Lady Hawk? No, I never seen Lady Hawk. It's okay. It's it's like this fantasy movie from the eighties. Um, Rucker Howard's in it. Um, what's her name? Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. Uh, Matthew Broderick is in. It. I think it's one of, like the big the movie like that got Matthew Broderick noticed. You know. Uh, it's been a, um, like a forever since I've seen it, so I, I can't even describe it. I know I think right. Michelle Pfeiffer is a hawk that she could turn human or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's already but, wacky. <laughs> well, the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about is, you know, how much, how kind of beloved he was uh, across the board. Like everyone who, like you, you always see like when someone dies, you know, people say they're, you know, kind of appropriate things they're supposed to say. But, like, when you read some of the things that some of these people said that worked with him, like, you kind of believe, you know, you believe it. Like, it's very sincere. And it seemed like he was a really a really good guy. Um, Sean Astin, who worked with him on The Goonies, said, uh, what I perceived in him as a 12-year-old kid is that he cared. I love that he cared. Just, that's a nice thing. Um, yeah. Steven Spielberg said... Uh, See here, he had a powerful command of movies and was so gifted across many genres. Uh, being in this circle was akin to hanging out with your favorite coach, your smartest professor, your fiercest motivator, most endearing friend, staunchest ally, and of course, the greatest Goonie of all. Um, Mel Gibson called him a friend and mentor. Um, Stallone said he enjoyed working with him on uh, on Assassins. Which is, have you ever seen Assassins? I've heard of it, but I never watched it. Okay, have you ever seen the meme? Of Antonio Banderas looking at like a laptop and then like l like leaning back and like smiling real big. 
Have you seen that meme? No, I don't think I have. I'm, 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 I probably have. All right. I probably have, but I just I can't recall it right now. I guess I'm just tired. Yeah, like look it up. Like next next time you do like a gift search, put it in. That I, I'm menu. about to. I'm sure, you see it. I'm about. Uh, that's where it's where that comes from. But uh, it's like this movie where like they're dueling assassins. It's actually kind of fun. It's not gonna like change your world or anything like that. But it's it was an entertaining uh, action movie. Um, but yeah, he said uh, Stallone said I enjoyed working with Dick Donner on Assassins. He's a man's man, extremely <laughs> talented. I found okay, I remember this. You remember? I haven't that's, seen it in a while, from. but yes. I yeah, see. yeah, yeah. And then uh, I think uh, Warner Brothers said something like, uh, "Thank you for believing a man could fly, uh, helping us believe a man could fly." Right. DC Comics said, you know, basically the same thing. Um, he led the world into a thrilling new age where superheroes leap from page to screen, inspiring us all to be more, to dream bigger, and to believe a man could fly. Uh, so that's that was nice. But yeah, and uh, yeah, I think he actually wrote some Superman comics too, like kind of around 2006, 2007 too. Yeah, I've never read him, but I think he did. Oh, that's cool. You know, even still, like, you know, all those years later, he's still, um, I guess, I guess, he has such an attachment to Superman. I mean, it was, he pretty much made, like, one of the defining Superman films. It was the first one, the first time Superman was on, on the big screen. So, you know, I'm sure after an experience like that, he had an attachment to the character. Yeah. Um and he always seemed to love it. Like he's never one of those guys that like shied away from his earlier work, you know, like that got him popular. He always, he always seemed to love it. Um, but yeah, like kind of in kind of in conclusion, um, I think he was responsible for a lot of the movies that I I personally am nostalgic for because I grew up with them. Like at the time they were being released, um, and I know Mark had you came too late to some to the party on some of these. But even as an adult with like non nostalgia eyes, like I had, um, seemed to appreciate those movies too. Oh, definitely, and it's one of those things too where it's not just about you know taking in the nostalgia or whatever you want to call it. It's just appreciating good filmmaking. And the thing about again Richard Donner is that he was always consistent. I mean, you may not li- you may like some of his movies more than others. You may not like some of his other movies, but the fact is, like, I feel like this was one of the more consistent filmmakers, you know, of his time that always put out quality, and you know, as a result, just left us with lasting memories. Especially a lot of us childhood memories. I could have said it better myself. So um, I, I think you know we. Just wanted to say goodbye, pay the man his respect that since we watched so many of his movies and we enjoyed so much, we just kind of thought he deserved his own episode. So rest in peace, uh, Richard Donner. Uh, thank you for the memories. Um, and I think you, that'll that'll do it for, for this episode. And I know it's a little shorter than usual and we don't we didn't cover a movie, but I think this is, you know, an appropriate thing to do. Um, of course. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll next our next episode will be Midnight Cowboy unless something else hor- horrific happens, um, but it'll be Midnight Cowboy, and we'll get that out to you as soon as we can. Um, so you can follow us on the Facebook at uh, facebook.com/slash/essentialfilms and follow us at Essential Films on Twitter, um, and our website is essentialfilmspodcast.com. And if you want to email us, essentialfilmspodcast@gmail.com. Uh, Mark, why don't you put in some plugs? Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsGuy515. And we also have our other podcast, Sports Perspective, which you can also follow on Twitter at FP Movie Podcast. Uh, 
quite an interesting slate of recent movies coming out, especially through HBO Max and then through regular theaters. You know, Black Widow just came out. We just had Space Jam. Uh, so quite a lot to talk about. So hopefully maybe after Midnight Capital, we can actually do another Force Perspective and maybe do a roundup of some of these uh, recent releases, too. Yeah, totally. Uh, I'm on board for that. Um, all right, guys. Uh, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, thanks so much for listening. If, instead of saying buy physical media, I'm just going to say to Richard Donner, a thank you for the memories. Steven Spielberg, we were friends for many, many years, and he called me one day and he said he had this wonderful script, and he had a young writer on it, a kid named Chris Columbus. He went on to be one of the better directors in the business. But I, I read this script, Steven sent it over to the house, and I, I couldn't stop laughing. I fell madly in love with it. And there's nothing in the world better for a director than to work with this raw talent of children. There's no affectations, and you, you have this wonderful opportunity to kind of pull the best out of these wonderful, fresh young minds. And we had a wonderful time casting it. We ended up with this wonderful group of children. And I had the best time I think I've ever had in my life. And when the picture was over, the children were very strange. Here we had shot for maybe uh, 10 weeks. And there was this wonderful homogenous family and a lot of love and a lot of hugs and a lot of laughing and crying. But this last week was very strange. They were, they were very alienated to me. And I, I thought, well, I don't know that much about children, I guess, because... Um, I thought I, I thought I really knew these kids inside and out by now. I was very disillusioned, and I decided I was going to take a week or two off before I went into the editing. So I flew over to Hawaii, and one day, as I walked on, out onto the lawn to look at the sunset, and the, I saw Josh Brolin, who played the oldest son in the movie, coming up the lawn, and he had a surfboard. I said, what the hell is he doing here? And he came over to me and said, oh, oh, hi, Dick. He said, uh... I would just stop by, you know, I told you I was going to go surfing, and uh, the, I said, oh, yeah. He said, well, my mother, my mother took me to Hawaii, and I just, I said, oh, great. But he kept looking behind me, and I turned around, and there was the entire cast, the heavies, the adults, the children, everybody. Spielberg had flown them all over as a surprise for me, and he had told them a week before that if anybody tipped it and I found out they were coming, the trip would be off. So that week of total alienation was the best acting those kids ever did because they in no way tipped it. And here I had these kids. But Spielberg, the deal was they could only stay two hours and they was going to fly them to another island and they were going to get a vacation because he wasn't going to impose. But I felt so in love with them to have them there. They, we, we, we bought out the supermarket, had a great barbecue. They stayed the night, sleeping bags all over the place. And uh, it was one of the great put-ons. And I called Spielberg and I said, watch your back, pal.